Welcome to the LDA Podcast, a series dedicated to improving the lives and education of all learners. Today, we sit down with Mark Halpert of 3D Learner to discuss helping students to reach reading success by third grade. Hello, everyone. I'm here with Mark Halpert out of 3D Learner. Mark is an advocate and regularly partners with school-based and outside professionals to promote reading success. He is also the co-author of two books, Success by Third Grade and From Stress to Success for the Frustrated Parent. Thank you for joining me, Mark. Pleasure to be here. So you do a lot of work on success for students with LD grades K through three. Can you tell me about that work? Sure. Back in 1973, I was in Los Angeles and my boss wanted me in Phoenix the following Tuesday after Labor Day. And I said, you know, I appreciate you flying me back, but I'd rather go to Vegas for the weekend. So I got to Vegas and called, saw that Elvis Presley was in town and called to see if there was one ticket available because I didn't know anybody in town. And the lady said, you're the luckiest guy alive. He just opened up at 3 o'clock in the morning show. I said, how many tickets can I buy? She said 10. So I bought 10 and had some, could make some money. But one of the guys I met was the head of the Boy Scouts of Israel. And I said to him, for you, it's just regular price, not making any money. I just like you to share the one tip you can share that based on your history of being so successful, especially with immigrants, what did you do? He said, we invested with kids in third grade and before. So they were successful by that point. Because when you're successful with kids then, they have an unlimited future and your investment pays back tenfold. Interesting. And that stuck with me. And it's actually virtually everything I've experienced since then is consistent with that belief structure. Mm -hmm. So what have you been learning about academics? Because I know you you do a lot with reading. Right. um, About that K through three range for reading. Well, it's, it's fascinating. We have a staggering number, which John King at the LDA conference talked about, which is 85% of the kids with learning disabilities are reading below basic level in fourth grade on the NAEP, the National Assessment of Educational Progress. And in, in Florida, 80% of the kids are below grade level with kids with LD in third grade, and half of them are at risk for grade retention. So we do a terrible job of identifying kids and actually helping the kids succeed. Conversely, what we've learned is when you identify the problem and put together a comprehensive solution, maybe 80-90% of the kids actually have the potential to succeed. So we can do a ton better if you combine parents, schools, and outside professionals. Mm -hmm. So how do you combine them? To do better. So in, in our work, we work, turns out the, probably 80% of the kids with learning disabilities also learn differently. Mm-hmm. They're visual experiential learners who learn best when they see and experience it. They often have attention issues. They often have eye-teaming issues where they skip words and lines when reading. They have, often have anxiety challenges. And so what, what these kids have is they have a problem with sight words. They have a vocabulary. They have a problem with word recognition with the I-teaming, with the attention, and they don't, they're not taught how to visualize what words mean. So in our practice, we actually work on those items. But with the schools, it's all about how do you set, how do you, first of all, get parents to recognize that schools aren't necessarily proactive. For instance, Tim King's a member of my task team. He's 
incredibly proactive up in Flagler County in identifying kids early. Some other people I've met at the conference have districts that are incredibly incompetent at identifying kids or actually don't want to. So it's really up to a parent to be informed, empowered, and proactive to actually start graphing your kid's reading level and graph it versus grade level. As one mom said to me, when I did that, I realized, oh my God, it happened this morning. A parent said to me, my kid's reading is good. Her comprehension is at the first grade, is, is the first percentile. So the school was talking about how good her reading is. Mm-hmm. And, which, and somebody asked me, is it important to be able to read fluently or to understand what you're reading? And the answer is yes. Yes to both, Abs- right? Absolutely. <laughs> they you, go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. And when a kid who's visual learns how to visualize what they're reading and start creating videos for what they're reading, they can, be, they can learn to love reading. Mm-hmm. Whereas as one kid said to me before, it was kind of like going to the dentist's office without Novocaine. Painful for them. It's painful, and something you do, you they become creative. They're creative avoiders, mm-hmm. and it's something that all of our kids in schools ex- experience on a day to day basis. And if you have this fear of going, I have a fear of going to the dentist. But if you have a fear of going to each subject that you're asked to read in, you basically want to shut down. It seems like. And then what the studies have shown, well, a couple of things the studies show is the avid reader reads ten times more than the. Reading avoidance mm-hmm. kid. So if if you do anything ten times more, you're going to get a lot better. Mm-hmm. But if you read it only ten percent as much as another kid, and you start off behind, you're going to actually spiral further and further behind. So we've seen kids in fail the third grade FCAT with 135 IQ whose comprehension is at the first grade third month level. So the system is basically failing our kids. And so our belief in in LDA as well as 3D learners. We want to train parents to be informed, empowered, and proactive. Mm -hmm. We're strong believers in collaboration, but it's collaboration with a strong focus on success. And so when we teach parents when they get into an RTI meeting and somebody says to, we need eight measurements. So we usually take a measurement every two weeks, so it'll take 16 weeks. And I'll say, but you could take a measurement every week. I said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Let's do it eight weeks. Or they'll say, they'll say, we don't evaluate a child until the end of the RTI process. And I brought that up to Melody Musgrove, who was director of OSEP at the time, at a meeting in Washington once. And she said, did you get my memo? And she wrote it about November of 2011. It's a, it's a letter that I've read a thousand times. It clearly says RTI, or response intervention, cannot be used to delay or deny an evaluation. Mm-hmm. So you have to give parents these tools to say, they don't always tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. And you can actually give them a letter to evaluate. And somehow, miraculously, the RTI process, the evaluation process come together at the same time. And you sit down now and have a qualification meeting for whether or not your child qualifies for special education. Mm-hmm. And actually, we also train parents, your job is to help help your kids succeed in the RTI process. It's not to get identified with value for special ed. The first goal is to succeed. Mm-hmm. So if they can actually help your kids succeed in that process, that's great. And I was speaking at a conference with Don Destro, who's from the University of Kansas. Professor Destro said to me, what are you going to speak about? And he says, the parents need to be on the RTI bus. 
And this gentleman, who was 70, I think, at the time, poked me in the chest and said, you have to have the guts to say that, Mark. And I did. And I moved the needle from 32% of the kid, people in the room who believed that before my presentation to 70% after the presentation. So what do you mean by being on the RTI bus? They've got actually, they should be sitting in meetings and, and participating mm -hmm. and reviewing the results. That doesn't happen in every district. No. It doesn't happen in most districts. Mm -hmm. So you ask the parents, where the, where's the person, where's my kid at? I don't know. He's an RTI. What's RTI? I don't know. Yeah. It's a process. I think they now call it MTSS. I'm not even sure what that is either. I think it depends on state. I think it's used it, interchangeably as well. It's inter um, it, it is the multi-tiered system of support versus response to intervention. And in special education, we use so many acronyms that no wonder parents are confused. And, and our goal is part of this initiative. So we, we, ha we had a drive recently where we we're trying to figure out how to get new members. And I suggested we have a success for students with LD grades K-3 to initiative. And the boards agreed to do that. So what we're putting together is a whole process later this year. In 2020, we're going to be rolling out a series of webinars on how does a parent deal with the RTI process? How do they get the right evaluation? How do they develop a proficiency-driven IEP? How do they deal with procedural and legal issues with a collaborative process that's focused on student success and not accepting the same old answers it says we don't do it this way. Because mm -hmm. I've had special ed people tell me, well, we don't set a goal for more than a year, year's gain in a year. And I said, then how do you expect this child to get back to grade level? That is the goal, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the principal said, then we should set the goal to get for a year and a half. Because in two years, we'd get that child back to grade level. Mm -hmm. And then the principal said, but with the level of services we're providing, that child won't ever get there. I said, that's right. What kind of services do you think the child needs to get there? So we doubled the level of services, and the kids started making much more progress. Mm -hmm. So it's that iterative process that says, first, the parents need to graph their kids' performance on both reading fluency and comprehension versus grade level. So how do parents know what grade level is? Okay, That's what we're going to be providing. We're going to be providing a sheet that shows this is where grade level is, and then you can graph where your child's at. And so you'll very often see that gap widening. And when you go into a meeting, as I often do with clients, where you show the issue and the gap widening, all of a sudden the school's got a different perspective. Because if I've literally seen a place where the kid went from the first grade, the first grade level to the first grade, five month level to the second grade level over two years, making a one year level. But they used a chart, a legend that made it look like the kids was really performing. But when you laid in the grade level performance slope and the fact that that gap was widening from one year to two years, mm -hmm. all of a sudden... You have a different story to tell. And you have a diff whole different conversation. Mm -hmm. And now you're talking, how do I get this kid successful by third grade? And I've never met a parent that didn't want to achieve it. And actually, schools like it, too. Because all of a sudden, it, from my perspective, we actually have, when parents do an IEP with us, they fill out a section what they're going to do to help their kids succeed. Mm -hmm. So there's a partnership in, in the success process, and it doesn't just fall on the schools now. Not only does it just fall, we like to think of it this way. If both sides commit 110%, mm -hmm. the kid's chances probably triple or quadruple being successful. Yeah. 
because pa- students are getting to see that their parents value school as well as the school is now working in, in collaboration with the parents. So there's actually a relationship that the students can see and begin to value. And now if you think about it this way, let's say we're really successful and you take the percentage, let's say in Florida, right now it's only 20% of the kids were successful. If 40% of the kids were successful by third grade, you don't have all those costs that go on for years and years and years. The cost of special education services or the cost of what? Having a kid in remedial reading for all those years. Mm-hmm. Okay? And if you look at it, and one of the members, uh, a psychologist once said to me, you realized that if you significantly increased the success of kids, the, the percentage of kids successful by third grade, you'd probably cut in half our mental health issues this country. Because lack of progress in academics has social concerns as well, and which leads to anxiety, depression, and, and other areas and of mental health. Absolutely. And we've seen kids who are in sixth grade, they're four years behind. Who do you think they're in class with? Now all of a sudden, if they get to grade level, they're in classes with their peers, they're with the high achievers, they're trying to perform. So we could save money on every single element and... What's really important to me is these are the visual learners who can change the world. They can become engineers, entrepreneurs, because these are the visual experiential learners that have the skills to solve problems that nobody else has, to be very creative, and to be very successful in life, or down to the prison system through the school to prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. And really, it's our choice. The kid doesn't actually get a choice at eight years or seven or eight years old to make that choice, which path we put them on. But if you kid on the, put a lot of kids on the pathway to success, we put our country's number one resource in the priority that it deserves. It's our kids. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like K through three is is the is the sweet it's, spot that it sets the path for. There's a for study the that we're we're, here, we're sitting here on on February eighteenth or nineteenth. It's a study just came out this week that said, with 80% confidence, you could predict in third grade where a kid's going to be in 10th. Wow. Longitudinal study done. There are studies that show if a kid's not on grade level in third grade, there's four times more likely to drop out. If a kid's poor, it's, eight, it's six times more likely to drop out. I have no idea, and I've sat in the commissioner's office in Florida, and I've sat in OSEP's office, Office of Special Education Programs in D.C., haven't gotten much reaction. But I will say this, LDA has taken this on, and we're going to try to make this initiative where we help make the difference for not only individual kids, but collectively through, we're going to come up with some policy statements, we're going to be doing a lot of things. And if anybody has any ideas on this, Mm -hmm. they can... Email me at markhalpertldafl at gmail.com. I want to hear people's ideas. We don't have all the answers by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. And there are people going to be listening to this podcast that says, Mark, have you ever thought about X and Y? And I'm going to guarantee you that I've heard of some and not heard of many. So we really want professionals and parents who've got ideas that said, have you thought about this and thought about that? This is not a one-person initiative or even our task team of five. This is everybody working together to significantly increase the percentage of students with LD who are successful by third grade or sooner. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there's a call for action in the, order to get policy really pushed for, forward on this. We, we're going to push the policy end. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a third grade retention. We're going to have a policy paper for the poli- or a position paper for the policy people. But we're also going to have a 
principals pay for for parents. Mm -hmm. What is it we what is it we want to promote in parents? And we want to take this around the country mm -hmm. and talk to parent groups in LDA and outside of LDA to find ways of ignite a movement, not just about one condition. Because these kids often, they might have dyslexia, but they also got vision issues, they also got attention issues. But if you focus on success, then you look at the whole kid mm -hmm. rather than one condition. I think phonics, for instance, is really important. But so is vision, visual processing, so is auditory processing, so is working memory, so is processing speed, so is reducing anxiety, so, so is teaching parents. We've taught parents how to be the coach and advocate their kid needs. Mm -hmm. We should be teaching every parent how to be the coach and advocate their child needs. Yeah. Because if they're fighting for their kids, they're fighting for all kids, it sounds like. And if we start separating out learning disabilities by specific type, we're being exclusionary of other types. We're not being <coughs> inclusive of moving our entire population of young children forward. And, and I admire one of my colleagues started to help start Dakota Dyslexia. Great group, trying to do the right things. But when you look at the whole kid and you deal with math and you deal with writing and you deal with reading, because too often... I've had people who tell me reading fluency is the answer, but I had a kid who's in 10th grade reading at the 9th grade level, mm -hmm. and the person said the two correlate, reading comprehension and reading fluency, and I said, I had the answer in my back pocket, so I wasn't making it, I, I, I knew what I was talking about. I said, test, let's have the psychologist test a kid for reading comprehension. Now, the case may be when a kid came to us two months earlier, he was reading the second grade level. By the time they tested him, he was up to the fourth grade level. But they were shocked that he was five grade levels behind the fluency level, when in fact, if they tested him in the early in the year, it would have been seven grade levels below. So reading fluency and reading comprehension may correlate in some broad sense. I really don't care because it's about the individual kid. You've it doesn't take much more to assess reading comprehension and reading fluency. You have to do both. Yeah. Because reading fluency, I, I'm Jewish by birth and by you know, the way I lead my life. I could read Hebrew and actually impress somebody. But I have no idea what I'm reading. <laughs> and I asked Sally Shaywitz that question, and she said, well, that's only true in Hebrew, and, and that's not true. Yeah. I mean, the truth of the matter is, we, gotta, we, we owe it to our kids to do three things in that respect. Make them fluent readers, make them grade level and comprehension, and get them to love learning. Mm -hmm. And because I think that last piece is super important, because that, that's what con continues on, that lifelong learner, or the one that always wants to be engaging in something new because of discovery and, and opportunity. Because most of them are going to be working in fields that don't exist right, right yeah. now. So they need to become lifelong learners. Mm -hmm. And they need to know how to, how to learn. And so if you do that tr trifecta of fluency, comprehension, and love for learning, what do you think happens to self-esteem? Oh, it goes through the roof, I bet. It goes through the roof. Yeah. And so in, in our whole practice, it's, it's about all those pieces. It's about helping kids be successful. I'd like LDA to be a leader in forging that forward so that we help many, many more kids succeed with a policy that's focused on the whole child. And that's what it seems like we should be focusing on, the holistic view of the child, not just individual subject matters or even sub-subject matters within that, within that content area. So if people want more information or where should they go to get more information on this topic or to... To move the move the needle okay. forward. Okay, so a couple of things. One, 
They can get hold of me at 561-361-7495. I'll talk to anybody who's got something to say. This is this is this is a pa- <laughs> this is a passion, okay, okay. And and if they email me at uh, Mark Halpert, M A R K H A L P E R T three uh, L D A F L at gmail.com, I'll respond. And then look out for the webinars that are going to be coming out later this summer or spring or summer on success for students with LD grades K to three. And, and if your state wants to get involved, great, because we're, we're trying to make this a nationwide movement. And if not, we had some people in, in the meeting today from Canada and from Bermuda. I, we, we don't have to limit this to the United States even. We can help kids worldwide succeed. Great. It sounds like this is a real passion of yours. So thank you for taking this initiative on and moving the needle forward for all of our students in education. And, and, and thank you for doing this. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening to the LDA podcast. The series was made possible by the Learning Disabilities Foundation of America. Our theme music is Little Idea by Scott Holmes. This is a wrap on our first season of the LDA podcast, but we're excited to continue to bring you more information and advice from experts, so our next season is already in the works. Stay tuned for updates on our upcoming season, which will be posted across LDA's social media channels. And, as always, for more information, support, and resources, visit ldaamerica.org.